as a professional skeptic and journalist, I have been working for a scary home companion for the last three years. But that's not the entirety of my work. I have been doing interviews and chasing stories since college. Many of those stories ended up on this program. One of my earliest reports involved a local legend about the faceless bishop and how it related to a series of face-eating attacks in Florida. Since then, I have stuck with the story to see how it evolved. I was surprised to learn that the faceless bishop is not merely a local legend. The Florida myth is just one of many incarnations of this figure across many different cultures. Recently, it has returned, using social media as its platform to torment young people. This haunt, this spirit, this entity goes by many names. But the root of them all, through time, nationality, and language, is always the same. Faceless. Drinking whiskey in the kitchen and telling scary stories around the fire. Music, monsters, and mayhem. Killers, cannibals, and cults. Fearful fiction and furious fact. Tall tales and terrifying truths. This is a scary home companion. Before we explore this new iteration of the faceless myth, the one that uses social media as a weapon, we need to discover its origins. The first mention of faceless is written in Latin. A Roman noble writes a plea for help from the church as his sister has gone insane. He claims her face was stolen by a demon called Inferus. It was called Gesislost in Germanic legend and Sinrosto in Spanish lore. In rural India, there are tales in Hindi of Chiaravihin and, as I have covered previously, the Tequesta people of South Florida have the story of the faceless Bishop Paunahla. The legend of the Tequesta shaman who was flayed by the Spanish settlers was something I initially believed to be historical fact. Now I see it as simply a small piece of a larger pattern as variations on the same story keep occurring. In all the legends, a man with no face invades your dreams, and over time, you begin to see him in your real life. He whispers, even though he has no mouth, and tells you about the hidden faces people have. He compels you to do horrible things, or else he will steal your face and leave you with a mask of blank skin. The ghost stories have prevailed, but what is their underlying meaning? When stories cross culture and language, it belies a universal meaning and applies to all people. Our friend, author Charles Pepperweather, has written a book on this very subject. It's called The Psychology of the Ghastly Ones, and I had the chance to ask him 
about faceless. When we think about the face, we think about looks, but really this is all about identity. What we look like to a certain degree is who we are. More so for some than others. Well, yes, but please, let's reframe this in a more primitive way. In the earliest days of man, we lived in groups and tribes. If your own people couldn't recognize you, this would be a tantamount to a death sentence. I see. So in that case, losing your face would literally cast you into exile. Quite right. Our looks, our identity was the key to survival especially when anyone who didn't look like you was considered an enemy, which is still true today, I suppose. That explains the long history of this legend known as Faceless. I don't like to personify this mental illness as an entity. I know, I know, Charles, but for the sake of expediency, we need something to call it. And the name that comes up throughout the centuries and across multiple languages is Faceless. This is true, but increasingly I hear of faceless referred to as if it is alive. It is not. It is merely shared delusion. Shared delusion shared by many over the decades. The more dependent a society was upon physical appearance, the more reported cases of this malady appeared. Particularly with women, isn't that correct? Yes, it is, Marianne. In many societies where women were dependent on men for survival, which meant they relied on their feminine wiles, the ability to procreate in their looks, a woman losing her beauty would be most dreadful nightmare indeed. Is that why you think that reports of faceless incidents are increasing dramatically due to social media? Most assuredly. Our physical appearance has always been important to us for survival reasons, as well as the biological needs, of course. But today, our appearance is also our brand. Being recognized, being famous in one way or another is the end goal for so many young people. They do not wish for fame as a means to rise to a greater destination. The fleeting fame itself is the destination. With that in mind, your face is how the world sees you and how you see yourself, the societal importance the social media presence cannot be understated. And so, if you lose your face, you will be invisible to the world. You can't be internet famous without a face. It would be like you didn't exist at all. As it was long ago, if the people of your tribe can't recognize you, you will be exiled, a fate worse than death. Is it any wonder the children are plagued with the old nightmares? The same legend that allegedly inspired the face-eating cases in Florida has a new twist to it. It is now targeting the most vulnerable young people, those who depend on social media for a sense of identity. This extends beyond influencers or even dabblers on Facebook and Twitter. There is a growing subculture of people who base their entire lives and even careers on online revenue streams. For these people, YouTube views and Instagram follows are not just a point of pride, but keystones to their identity. To have nightmares about losing your face is terrifying enough, but these new cases go a lot further. 
it wasn't just delusions playing out in the privacy of someone's madness. It's public drama unfolding in full view of thousands of virtual witnesses. It seemed to first manifest in America, but was also documented in India, Pakistan, South Korea, England, and Brazil. Cases began to increase, both in frequency and intensity. Nightmares and anxiety turned to madness, mutilation, and murder. Man, you can ask anyone in the group. We were all online when he melted down. First his feed got all crunchy, right? It looked like his face was gone. Not cut off, just all smooth and shit. Funny thing was, the background looked fine. His shirt looked the same. Just his face was different. Like a badass Snapchat filter, right? He takes off the headset, and I guess he looked in the mirror. Because he starts screaming. Like, where's my face? Where's my face? Over and over. Until his connection cut off. After that, I don't know. He was gone. Never came back online. Were this a case of people believing their faces were taken, then it would be a matter of mental illness or delusion. That is not the case. These meltdowns were very public, but so is the visual proof of what caused them. Public photos and videos all have the person's facial features scrubbed away, rendered into smooth, blank skin. The other parts of the picture, faces of others even, remain unchanged. It is just the victim who has lost their face. The outpouring of attention from this makes the pressure on the victim all the worse. By tormenting the person publicly, Faceless adds humiliation to the suffering. In the age of TikTok, is there anything worse? My cousin was really into makeup videos. She used to watch them. Then she started doing them herself. And she was good, too. Beauty makeup, but with a goth edge to it. Real dark stuff. Eyes smokier than you ever saw. One night, she messages me with some pretty insane stuff. She was talking about how we are all wearing masks and none of us have faces under the masks. I showed it to the police after, but it was all just crazy talk. Then she posted that picture, her last picture, her same amazing makeup, but it was on a blank face. So smooth, no eyes, no nose, no mouth. Just pale, empty skin with makeup on it. And the caption read, Help me. I drove to her place. Three hours away felt like longer. Out of respect for her, I won't tell you what I found. Faceless is not a delusion. At least, not entirely. The alteration of visual media suggests involvement by outside parties, which begs the question, is someone singling out these people and prompting them into acts of violence against themselves or others? And if so, what could be the motive for such a thing? It isn't money or notoriety or power. Could it be pathological in nature? 
we've seen serial killers, arsonists, rapists, and mutilators. Who's to say there isn't a serial offender who wants to drive people to murder and suicide? Or at the very least, drive them to insanity. She was crazy. There's no doubt about it. That doesn't mean she was wrong, though. I think sometimes crazy people just see things the rest of us can't. Missy knew she was crazy, too. She had some intense dreams, and it got so bad she felt she was dreaming when she was awake. I would come to her apartment and sit with her. All night, sometimes, but it it got to be too much for me, you know? I feel bad saying that now, but it was a lot to handle. She was scary. She showed me all of her social media accounts. Someone had used a filter or a program to alter her pictures and erase her face. Every last picture, her face was gone. It was creepy, yeah, but it didn't occur to me that a ghost did it. The next time I found her screaming, she said her face was gone. The nightmare man had taken it. But I was right there. Her face was fine. Her reflection was fine. It was in her head. If this is not being orchestrated by someone, perhaps Faceless is an urban legend run amok, a self-fulfilling prophecy that is spread by word of mouth. This is not a one-time event, nor a one-time cluster of events. Faceless reports continue to rise in Japan, India, Brazil, and the UK. But the fastest of all is here in the United States. The story spreads easily because it is the worst nightmare for so many people. The more the story spreads, the more it repeats and mutates. The more it leaves the dream world and sets up home right here in our own world. The guy I was seeing, he sleptwalked. I heard him debating if he could cut my face off or not. He told me later that in his dream, he was talking to the no-faced man. You may remember him talking about that at the trial, too. A few months after that night, he attacked the next girl he had started seeing. Cut her face up pretty badly. He said the no-faced man made him do it. Here's the kicker. Two years later, that same girl starts visiting him in the mental ward every week. She says it's because she found out he was right. She says it wasn't his fault that the no-faced man is real. I wouldn't believe it either, but I heard it myself. Right from the horse's split mouth. If you are curious as to why you haven't seen more press coverage about the faceless instance, that's because it occurs in a victim pool that most people don't care about. The young, counterculture, the Gen Zers, they live their lives online, making entertainment, literally using every aspect of their lives as entertainment. So when they make a dramatic pronouncement, it's hard to tell if it's real or a put on. Deep fakes have become so common that no one believes the altered pictures are real, nonetheless dangerous. Although creepy and realistic, 
people assume a deepfake is just another trick of photo editing. So these people, these victims of faceless, are surrounded by friends, fans, and followers who watch them go insane, unable to help, never believing that they ever even need help. And the victims are so thirsty for attention that when something horrible happens, people dismiss it as a cry for attention. Faceless hides in plain sight, right under the surface. It steals your world and remains invisible and untraceable to everyone but you. Could this be an elaborate hoax, a product of internet culture run amok? Occam's razor says that the simplest answer is usually the correct one. In this case, the simplest answer is that the pictures are fake. I spoke with the savviest tech expert I know, dark web journalist Dahlia Red, on this very subject. Like Charles Pepperweather, Dahlia is a firmly entrenched skeptic. She has never bought into the myth of the ghastly ones. Here's what she had to say. It's not a hoax. I was sure it was a hoax. I wanted it to be a hoax, but it isn't. You devoted an episode of your show to Faceless. Oh, I did. Months ago. You've heard it. You know what I found. So explain why you're so convinced that it can't be a deep fake. It's, it's a problem of time. I mean, do you have any idea how long it would take to alter so many pictures? That's not even including the videos. One person couldn't do it. You would need a, a, a team working for months. God, maybe years. Okay. Why couldn't it be automated? A, a filter program to change the pictures? Marianne, because the, the work is too good. I mean, shit, you've seen Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook. How good are the filters on those? Well, I mean, as a joke, they're fine. Yeah. And how good are the pictures you showed me? These, they're no joke. Believe me, I put a lot of them under the microscope, so to speak. Tore them apart. I mean, I I couldn't find a single reason to think that they were fakes. Which means, if they are fake, it wasn't a program that did it. It was someone better than me with this shit. And girl, I'm good. Does the official DRO report have anything at all to do with your opinion? The DRO report that says it is a hoax? Yes. As a rule of thumb, if uh, the DRO says it officially, (laughs) then it's bullshit. It's not true. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're behind it somehow. 
but based on what I saw with my own eyes and my expertise, the pictures and the videos, they're not faked. They're not altered. You don't believe the supernatural theory nor the hoax theory. So what is your theory? Marianne, sometimes I find answers. And other times, I just ask the questions. The images are not hard to find. You can see screenshots of the altered photographs with haunting blank faces. For the record, I don't recommend that you do. There is an eerie quality to them. If they are fakes, let's face it, they probably are. They are masterworks of the macabre. But they are widely available. I have scrolled through thousands and thousands of such archived photos myself. If it were me and I saw my own face stolen, I don't know how I would respond. As you know, our friend, Dr. Andre Argento, went missing over a year ago. I would have loved to have him here to discuss this, but in his absence, allow me to read an excerpt from one of his published papers where he talks about faceless as a demon of no particular purpose. Like all of the ghastly ones, faceless is an archetype. The figure persists because it is so easy to ascribe existing phenomena, dreams, and feelings to it. The ghastly ones are adaptable, consisting of a few simple details, familiar in so many ways that they continue to exist in our minds throughout generations. The stories, the legends, are the weapons of the ghastly ones. And stories need rules. But these nightmare people are not bound by such things. They are chaos incarnate. Faceless is not faceless. It seems to be built from pieces of the lore of the skin weaver, the mirror man, the woman with the split mouth, and the surgeon. Just like the people it haunts, it is searching for an identity. It is desperate and seeks out the desperate. It finds those emotionally unstable people who depend entirely on their looks, and he takes it from them. Beyond this, ascribing it rules or meaning or a specific history only serves to play its game and make it stronger. End quote. Is that what I've done here with this story? I imagine Professor Argento would say so. Professor Pepperweather would say, we might have helped some people here today. I know what I believe. What do you believe?
Thank you for listening to another episode of A Scary Home Companion. Find the show on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or contact us directly at ascaryhomecompanion at gmail.com. For more of my research and reporting, you can listen to Ghosts of the Devil's Triangle, The Nightmare People, The Ravenous One, and Chasing Ghosts. A bonus investigation called The Psychology of the Ghastly Ones is available exclusively on Patreon. This show was expertly produced and edited by Jeff Davidson, with guest voices by Buck Rogers and Ashley Webster. And from Pathios Productions, Anne Hurd, Elaine Weatherby, Lycan, and Diane Casanova. Music was provided by Jazar with Faceless, Silver Pines with I Believe in Magic Dreams, and Chelsea Oxendine with the theme music. Links to all of these amazingly talented people are in the show notes. Thanks for listening.